That line we just sang, he is Lord above the universe, that would be a good one to chew on all week. He indeed is Lord above the universe. If you have a copy of God's Word, I invite you to turn to Romans. If you have been with us, you know that's where we are. We're pressing on in this great, great, wonderful letter. We are not in a hurry to do so. We find ourselves, we just finished up Romans 3 last Lord's Day, and we are starting Romans 4 today. We'll... Lord willing, get down to verse 8. So we will study those first eight verses. Justification by faith proven from the Old Testament. We're quite intentional with how we connect our Scripture reading, and I'll just remind you of one phrase that we just heard and read in Galatians that really will point us toward what is the central truth of the sermon. But Galatians 3, 9 so then, those who are of faith are blessed. They're blessed how? With Abraham, comma, the believer. Abraham, the believer. We likewise um, sing Father Abraham, right? I've been wanting to sing that all week. He had many, right, sons, and we're one of them, right? We get in on that great, great promise. So justification by faith proven from the Old Testament and... Um, he picks up, he's making his case. Let me just remind you that he's using this what's, this, what's called this diatribe style. He picked it back up in the portion we were in last week and almost picture this um, Jewish questioner, this challenging the things that Paul was preaching about the gospel. And, and we talked about the gospel in this portion we're in is God's saving righteousness, the saving righteousness of God, and he nailed to the wall last week in verse 27. You'll recall that, Romans 3, 27. Where then is boasting? There's no grounds for boasting in the life of a believer. And he's going to illustrate what he's talked about in, uh, in particular in verses 27 and 28 in our passage today. So, Romans 4, um, we'll start there in verse 1. If you're able, would you stand while I read our, um, our passage? The word of the Lord from Romans chapter 4. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, is found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word. Lord, it is true, it is sufficient, it is clear, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is profitable. Lord, we pray like the psalmist this morning that you would help us to see wonderful things, Lord, from your law, from your word this morning. Pray you would grant us divine power to be able to see and hear, clearly understand the things we study. May we treasure Christ, trust in Christ, cling to Christ. 
Thank you for the promise of your word that as we sing, Lord, even when we don't cling to Christ, he holds us fast. We thank you for so great a Savior. Lord, pray you'd build up your church and launch us forth to live lives that count with purpose, Lord, on mission. Pray that you would get all glory, praise, and honor for what you accomplish uh, today. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Justification by faith proven from the Old Testament. I had um, the great privilege. It didn't feel like the privilege at the time. And uh, when I was in seminary, God called me a little bit later in life than he does some folks. And um, in expository preaching class, that, was, uh, that stretched me greatly. I had a great desire to be a pastor, and I'd been in the pharmaceutical world, been very happy doing that, and God began to change my heart. We were living up in New Jersey, and I sort of lost my fire. I still loved the company I worked for and the work I did, but I had a desire to do something I said I would never do. Having grown up as a preacher's kid, if a lot of preacher's kids say you don't want to be a preacher. And that's not because God's not good. That's because there's a whole lot of stuff the world puts on that calling. But anyway, I was foolish and said I didn't want to be a preacher, and I had a great desire to be a preacher, pastor. So I end up at seminary, and I end up in expository preaching class. And that's terrifying. You're going to get up in front of peers and a professor and preach and get critiqued to high heaven. It didn't feel like heaven I was getting critiqued to, but nonetheless, I was getting critiqued. And um, then Luke was a little guy. He said, so you're in expository preaching class with like two dozen brothers. And Luke was like, well, I want to go hear daddy preach. And I'm like, Stephanie's like, Luke wants to come. And I'm like, nobody brings your wife and kids to expository preaching class. And so I told Dr. Heisler that they wanted to come. And he was like, great, bring them on in. I was hoping he would say no. But um, anyway, he was asleep before I was five minutes in to the sermon, stretched out. I can still see him on that bench in Raleigh with his mouth open, sleeping. And I've been putting people to sleep occasionally since. But expository preaching class is patterned after what Paul's doing here. Because in that class, it's beat into your head several things. Be faithful to the text. We always want to do that. Really doesn't matter what I think. Doesn't matter what you think. What matters is what God has said. And we'll be faithful to the text. And then if we're faithful to the text, I have three goals that I want to accomplish today. Paul's doing that for us. I want to explain the text. I want to illustrate the text. I want to apply the text. Really, I'm trusting the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, to do that. And what Paul's doing here, I want you to see how beautiful this is. He's giving us from Scripture an illustration in Romans 4, 1 through 8 of what he has just said in Romans 3, 27 and 28. It is an illustration of those principles, a divinely inspired illustration. So in Romans, well, let's look at verse 24 of chapter 3 before we look at verses 27 and 28. He is explaining to us justification by faith. And in verse 24, he presents this glorious aspect of the gospel. Being justified, how is a sinner acquitted in God's courtroom? Being justified as a gift by God's grace through the redemption, this buying back, and that came in Christ's atoning death on the cross. This redemption, which is in Christ Jesus, we're redeemed by Christ. This redemption is accomplished by Christ, his merits. And then in verse 27 of the same chapter, where then is boasting? Well, 
Boasting is just out of the question. By what kind of law of works? No, but by a law of faith. For here's the glorious gospel. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. What a statement. Or is God the God of Jews only? No, is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. So he's just told us that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And then what he's going to do, he's going to take two of the most famous heroes of the Old Testament. Two of the towering figures of the Old Testament. And he's going to use them as an illustration to show, he, he, he's making his case. He's going to show, and I think, remember, he's writing this letter, this wonderful gospel to the church at Rome. He's never been there. He has a strong desire to go, and it's a, it's a mixed body. It has Jewish Christians. It has Gentile Christians, but it seems like in this portion, he's addressing the Jews, and here's, here's almost what he would say. I'd step aside from the text a minute and say, he's going to show them. He, he's almost saying, if I can show you that Abraham, your great hero, this towering figure of the Old Testament, if he was justified by faith, then I have you in the corner. You have to agree that the way God saves sinners, the way he justifies sinners is by faith. That's the corner he's going to paint them into. And then he's going to say, I'm not finished with you yet. I'm going to show you. Now, who's your king, Israel? You Jews? And they would say, oh, King David. He said, I'm going to show you David preached that same gospel. He stood in that same gospel too. So he's making the case. And by the way, this is so timely and relevant. All of Scripture is. But it's so timely and relevant because we hear prominent pastors with big gatherings say blasphemous, foolish, ungodly things like unhitch from the Old Testament. Or as Stephanie's mama used to keep little ones back in the day, and Miss Frances would wash your mouth out with soap. There's some pastors that need their mouth washed out with soap. Amen. Because what does that say about God's character? What does that say about God's word? What does that say about God's works? As he's going to show, let me show you, God works the same. God is the same from Genesis to Revelation, and he was before, and will, right, and there won't be any after. And he saves the same from Genesis to Revelation. So, the central truth of the sermon, I believe, is salvation was, is, and always will be by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Praise the Lord. That is our stand. That's where, that's the, where the Bible is, is so explicit, that, and we want to stand where the Bible would have us to stand. So, justification by faith proven from the Old Testament. Let's get to it. Number one, the testimony of Abraham. Number one, the testimony of Abraham. And I almost picture this. Paul is saying, Abraham, would you come and sit in the witness, uh, here on the witness chair? And we want to hear from you. So here is what he says, verse one of Romans four. What then shall we say that Abraham, our, our father, our forefather, according to the flesh is found? Now he's making an argument. Look at verse two. So if Abraham was justified. He was reconciled to God. He was made right. If Abraham, if, conditional, Abraham was justified by works, well, guess what? If one, and this, this we would have to say, if one really could be justified by works, if one could, could demonstrate that and be perfect before God, they could boast, couldn't they? 
that would be appropriate. So he's not saying that would be inappropriate to boast. Here's what he's saying. No one can ever do that. No one would ever do that. So if one did that, and, and, and by the way, it would beg the question at this point, did Abraham do that? We'll, we'll see. So if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but he said, no, 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 not before God. So Abraham's standing before God. He's going to show us, and we're about to look at verse 3, but before we look at that, we're going to unpack a little bit more of these first two verses and profoundly, one of the most important verses in the Bible, drawing on Genesis 15, 6. I like what one writer said about Abraham here. Abraham, our father, our forefather, says Abraham was revered by the Jews as their father, and his life and character were held up as models of God's way with his people and as true piety. One writer said, Abraham was perfect in all his deeds with the Lord. He was perfect, Jews often thought. Abraham was not perfect. Paul's going to show us, he's going to take us back and show us. Abraham, Abraham was a pagan. He was Abram. There were no Jews and Gentiles in. There were Right? We didn't have a Jewish nation then. It's where he's going to take us back. So if Paul can prove that Abraham was not justified by works, he will validate his point that salvation, Jews and Gentiles, is always and only by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Now look at verse 3. It's profoundly important. Look at Romans 4, verse 3. So what does, for what does the Scripture say? Well, let's see what the Bible says. Let's go back to Abraham's testimony. So this is Abraham on the stand. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, a profound truth. Now, look at that. Uh, verse 3, we encounter a, a important theme of the gospel, in New American Standard translation that I'm in, it was credited. Yours might read reckoned. Verse 3, it was credited to him as righteousness. Drop down to verse 4. Now, to the one who works, his wage is not credited. Same word as a favor. Drop down to verse 5. The one who believes in him who justifies un the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Same word, verse 6. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness. So verse 3 tells us Abraham, the way he was made right with God, he believed God and in his, Abraham the believer, in that belief, it was credited. Something that he didn't have in his account was put in his account. It's profound. Well, where does verse 3 come from of Romans Four, verse three, what does the scripture say? Well, the scripture says, and by the way, if you've got your handout in the bulletin, I know we don't have slides right now or whatever, but you'll see Genesis 15. This is really, really, really important. Connection here to Abraham's testimony. Genesis 15, verse one. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. He's not even Abraham yet. See, he hasn't received. He, he, he's absent the righteousness he's about to receive, so he hasn't. The covenant has not been ratified. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not fear Abram. I am a shield to you. 
your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer, Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Boy, Abram's like us. God, I can figure this thing out if you'll give me a chance. I'll show you how this needs to go down. That's man-centered theology, isn't it? Abram is man-centered like we are apart from God's intervening grace. I love that. It just encourages me. Verse 4, Genesis 15, Then, behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And he, God, took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you are able to count them. And he, God, said to him, Abram, so shall your descendants be. Then he, Abram, believed in the Lord and he, Yahweh, God, reckoned it to him as righteousness. Abraham was justified by faith. And, and so Paul, has, he, he is, he's like painted them in the corner. He's nailing them to the wall. Now, you can come back to Romans 4, verse 3 now, and you know the context of verse 3, when he asks, what does the scripture say? He quotes Genesis 15, 6, Abram, Abraham, I should say now, believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. At the time, it was credited to, to him as righteousness. There was no Jewish nation. There was 600 years before the law. No Mosaic law. By the way, those Jews are like, you know, we... Uh, We've got this covenant sign. We're circumcised. There was no circumcision. Abraham was a pagan. And he was justified. So here's his point. Hold your place there at Romans 4 verse 3 and look back to chapter 3 verse 28. He's illustrating that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law, including father Abraham. Same way, the same way you were saved is the same way he was saved. Now, he was looking forward to Christ, atoning, his coming, his atoning work, his finished work. He was looking forward to that. We're looking back on, but we both look to Christ. We're justified the same way. So he was not saved by works, and that's profound. Verse 3, Abraham believed God took him at his word, trusted him, relied on him. He received Christ, he rested in Christ, credited profound reality. This idea of reckoned, deposited as an accounting comes from the world of accounting or finance, accounting, bookkeeping language. So something Abraham did not have nor deserve was graciously granted to him by God through the channel of faith. Abraham believed God, and then in that, that faith was the channel that God's grace ran in, and it, cre- it was credited, it was put in his account. I love what Martin Luther called this. Uh, our, our need, we all need what Abraham needed. Listen, it's an alien righteousness. An alien righteousness is not inherent to us. This is what's wrong with so much of the wisdom and the counsel of the world. 
You go talk to people and they're like, well, let me tell you now, you just got to look deep inside of yourself. Man, I'm going to tell you, that's an ugly picture, isn't it? It is for me. Look deep inside yourself. You got to grab yourself by your bootstraps. I'm going to tell you, those, but there are no bootstraps there, folks. It just is downward, hellward. And, and this beautiful reality that Martin Luther called alien righteousness, see, if we're going to be if we're going to be reconciled to God, if we're going to be brought into a relationship of peace and favor with God, we are not, do you think, let me just say, do you think anything unrighteous, unholy is going to show up in God's presence, be accepted in God's presence, be in his world? That, and by the way, do we have any righteousness apart from Christ in us? So listen, we're not going to God's house Unless God fixes that problem. And so this alien righteousness, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. What a profound reality, this alien righteousness. Look at verse 4. He's going to explain. This is still Abraham's testimony. Now to the one who works... His wage is not credited as a favor. I love that. Mine, my translation, who else? Do you have favor? Anybody else have a different word there? Favor? The, the word literally is grace. That's what the word is. Karis, grace. So, you worked all week last week. I worked all last week. Your employer didn't give you grace if you worked all week. When you got the paycheck, let me tell you, you earned it. You had it coming. Right? You didn't tell them over at the nuclear plant, like, thank you so much for, you just gave me some money this week. No, 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 you showed up. You were on time. You worked. You worked long. You, you earned it. And he's making the point now to the one who works. So if Abraham had worked, his wage would not be credited as a grace, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly. Now, that would have made some Jews bristle. Guess what? Abraham was ungodly. We're ungodly. Our only hope is to have Christ's righteousness, this alien righteousness outside of us, given to us. And it's available to us. It's available to everyone who believes, not works. Wow. You're telling me that there's no work I can do. I, I think, think of all the songs we sing. Nothing in my hand I bring simply to thy cross I cling. That's the only way you're going to come to God. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me Savior or I die. Well, it's the gospel, this glorious gospel. And so God justifies sinners as a gift on the basis of the atoning death of Christ and apart from any worth in themselves, whether that worth is calculated in ethnic terms, hey, I'm a Jew, or in virtuous behavior. Do you know how moral I am? I'm like in the Pharisee neighborhood. By the way, you know what's remarkable to me? That Paul, I will tell you, the illustration is even more beautiful. So here's Abraham's testimony. The guy writing the letter to Rome is known as the one who hunted down and killed Christ followers. That's a pretty powerful transformation, isn't it? So you're telling me people that kill Christians and people that are pagans and people that are non-Jews, you're telling me they can come to Jesus? You're telling me they can be reconciled to God? That's exactly what I'm telling you. And what an encouragement for those of us today that know we've got more in common with Paul and 
Abraham than we have any merit or good in us. Look at verse 5. To the one who does not work, but believes, believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited. See, then, let me show you how this thing goes down. If we will turn from a desire to work. By the way, do you know what every religion of the world other than Christianity has at its root and core? If you just follow it, it'll eat. it works. I've been to India. I've been to the Middle East. I've been a whole lot of places. Every other religion of the world, it's works. I want to tell you something. We rest in Christ's finished work. We receive, we trust, we believe. I love what John MacArthur said about this verse 5, but to the one who does not work but believes. Listen to what Dr. MacArthur said. Faith is never the basis or reason for justification. By the way, if it was the basis or reason, it would be a what? It would be a work. So our faith is not a work. Faith is never the basis or reason for justification, but only the channel through which God works his redemptive grace. Faith is simply a convicted heart. Is your heart convicted? Faith is simply a convicted heart reaching out to receive God's free and unmerited gift of salvation. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's getting the posture, the tone. So the testimony of Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham and I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right? You see, he's making this case, justification by faith proven from the Old Testament, the testimony of Abraham. He's not done. Secondly, the testimony of David. The testimony of David. So I'm, I'm telling you, if you're going to pick two figures, the patriarch, Abraham, and then David's throne, Israel's great king, the man after God's own heart. The testimony of David. Look at verse 6 of Romans 4. So Abraham's not able to boast. Why? Because he didn't work. He trusted, he believed. And now he says, second illustration, just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits, listens, reckons, deposits, this bookkeeping language. By the way, let me tell you what I've thought of all week. Do y'all remember back in the day? I will show my age a little bit. Y'all remember when we had, uh, boy, that was just a precursor of things to come. Remember down in South Florida, they had some problems counting ballots. Remember all the hanging chads, you know? And man, we took that to another level, right? Um, we, we have a hard time counting ballots. Now, it seems like folks could do that way back in the day better, but I don't know. But I'm just gonna tell you, if you'll take God at his word and place your faith in Christ, God uses some fuzzy math. Because here, he won't give you and me what we deserve. He'll give us Christ and in our receiving and trusting in the finished work of Christ, then all of our failures and sins were paid for by Christ on the cross. They were Colossians nailed to the cross. Hey, I like that fuzzy math, don't you? Here's what I'm telling you. 
If you'll trust in Christ, if you'll believe God, Scripture is clear that Christ's righteousness, that alien righteousness, is granted, it's imputed, it's put in our account, and all of our unrighteousness was put on Christ. What a glorious divine transaction. You're talking about getting a new suit, outfit, transformation. David's testimony is the same. Guess what? Since God is the same, he saves the same, then we get David's testimony. And by the way, we get this. Look at Romans 4, verse 7. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven, whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. The Jews had very selective memory, like we do. They saw the good in Abram, Abraham, and thought he was perfect. They also, so they would have seen David as perfect. Interesting to me, Paul's quoting here Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2, which the context of that psalm is David after his great sin with Bathsheba, where he committed adultery, where he lied, where he murdered, where he covered up. And so David clearly was not justified by his works. So back to Romans 4, verse 6, just as David also speaks of the blessing. I want to tell you, you know who a blessed man is? A blessed man is a man to whom God credits, puts over in his count righteousness, right standing with God apart from works. That's a blessed man. You meet a man, woman, boy, or girl in Christ, you have met a blessed man. So we think like the world. Well, if you've got a whole bunch of like stuff, you're blessed. No, no, no. Are you in Christ? You're blessed. By the way, I love this. Mockery. Happy. Happy. That, that's, our, that's our position. We need to walk in that. And you say, well, hey, for myself, a lot of people I walk in, a lot of our circumstances aren't happy. I agree with that. But I want to tell you what he's saying is David's preaching the same gospel that Abraham was preaching, that Paul's preaching, that you find all over the Bible, just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Well, here's where he's drawing that from, Psalm 32, verse 1. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. He goes a different way. I like how, Now, he, he starts with David's testimony explaining some of the effects of salvation. Some of the effects, if people are justified by faith, here's what it means to be justified by faith. Here's what happens to them. You know, if you're like, hey, if you take this medicine, you're going to be drowsy. Like, here's the side effect. Here's the adverse event, except this is a very positive effect. Here's the glorious benefit of what's going to happen to you. So, if you have been justified by faith, well, you will find yourself, Romans 4, verse 7, blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven. See, we want to debate. People want to argue with you. And I don't know if I'm sinful or not. You are, and I am too. Let's don't have the argument about that. Praise the Lord. In Christ, all our lawless deeds have been forgiven. And I'll tell you something, you won't come to Christ arguing about whether you're sinful or not. The gospel will never make sense. That's like, that's the starting point. Remember, we camped out there in those early chapters of Romans. 
Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven. We have committed great, treacherous, horrible, lawless deeds. But the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith, this is sufficient to wipe away all of our sins and God chooses to forgive us of them all. Praise his name. Blessed, happy are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven, whose sins, I love, listen, he he doesn't stop there. He could have just said whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Pictures floodwaters covering the earth. So you say, man, you know, I think of people you witness to. You just don't know all the things I've done. I want to tell you, Christ merit. His person, his work is sufficient. And and if you will rest in Christ, if you will trust in Christ, I'll tell you, you'll find however high your sin runs, his grace whose sins have been covered, they're covered by Christ. What a glorious... So lawless deeds have been forgiven whose sins have been covered. Verse 8, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. This is beautiful what he does here. Whose sin the Lord will not take into account. So these are counting terms. Verse three, Abraham believed God and it was credited. So God went over into Abraham's account and he made a deposit. Verse four, to the one who works. When you work, guess what? Your, your employer credits you what your works had coming, but now to the one who works, His wage is not credited as a grace, but as as what is due. Drop down to verse 5. The one who believes in him and God who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited, right standing for God. Just as David, he's preaching the same gospel. The blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness. And then he gets down to verse 8 and he gives us another counting, bookkeeping, financial term. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. So God runs our account there. And it's just like, okay, what's our balance? Here's, here's the sin column for David. He runs the balance. Guess what it says? Zero, paid in full. That's what he says. And so this reality, God burns the file of our sins. He remembers them no more. He forgives us of them all. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. So the testimony of David, justification by faith proven from the Old Testament is proven from Paul's proving it in the New Testament. So doing the word, four application points and I am done and quite on time. How about that? Doesn't happen often, mark it down. Don't make that a normative expectation. Doing the word. I am taking a shot at Andy Stanley when I say this. Bible says if you're going to preach the gospel, you preach sound doctrine and you refute those who contradict. He is a pastor of a church in Dothan, Alabama. People say, I just wish you wouldn't name names. I think the Bible compels me to. Pastors, thousands of people. Unhitched from the Old Testament. What a fool. What a blasphemous, ungodly thing to say. And you say, well, I'm upset at you for saying that, David. You know what? I've thought on that for years. Don't send me an email or text and tell me you're upset. Just pray about it. And then we can agree to disagree. So here's my application. I don't mean that. A man is accountable for his preaching and teaching. And if we won't stand up and have the courage and name names and preach the Bible, I'm sure he's a nice guy. That's not even the point. We're not talking about going to lunch. 
You confuse a whole bunch. Let me tell you what you do. You blaspheme God's name when you say unhitched from the Old Testament. Like, like God's dumb or something and half of his book didn't need to be written. I'm sorry, fear God, not man. So my first point, that's not, any of that heat's not pointed at you. It's pointed at our culture that says things like that. Hitch ourselves to all of Scripture, the Old and the New Testament, as it is one grand, glorious, beautiful story. Hang on to all of Scripture. By the way, people, I mean, I love Matthew, or I love Mark, or I love Romans. I do too. I mean, God, help us love Genesis. Help us love Exodus. Help us love the Psalms. Hitch ourselves to all of Scripture. The Old and New Testament as one grand story, this continuity. You see this beautiful continuity of the gospel and the continuity of Scripture. Second, see that God saves the same way on both sides of the Bible. See that God saves the same way on both sides of the Bible. In the Old Testament, believers were looking forward to Christ and his cross and trusting in him. We look back on Christ and his cross. So see that God saves the same way on both sides of the Bible. Third is so clear here. Recognize that works can never save. Works can never save. Why would we want to try something that is impossible to ever work? Abraham believed God was credited to him as righteousness. Recognize that works can never save. Last, receive and rest in Christ alone for our salvation. Man, I want, we want to receive Christ. We want to rest in Christ. When you're working for something, you're striving, you're grasping, you're digging, you're clawing, and the glorious gospel. Let me tell you, we're receiving, we're trusting, we're resting, we're relying. Isn't that beautiful? To the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due, but to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith credited as righteousness, right standing before God. And so this receive and rest in Christ alone for our salvation, listen to what Christ said. John 8, 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. I love that. Abraham's looking across the years and he's looking toward Christ. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. Abraham, let me tell you what Abraham was doing. Abraham was receiving and resting in Christ just like we this morning have received Christ and are resting in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your great gospel. Lord, words fail to state the grace and mercy and wonder and majesty of this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, our flesh wants to strive and work. We know we're not who we need to be. Uh, Lord, we know that we're sinful. 
Your word is clear. Our conscience is clear. Lord, you have made a way. Your saving righteousness is an act of grace. We don't deserve salvation. It's not because we're moral or good. Not because we're a church member. Not because we've been baptized by water. Not because we have a Bible. God did us by grace alone. Through faith alone. In Christ alone. Lord, we want to get that right today. So we pray your spirit that he will examine us and lay bare any error in our thinking and our believing. Lord, the stakes are so very high. Eternity is so very real. Our hearts, by your grace, have beat to this point in the service. God, help us to prioritize ultimate things, eternal things. Help us to value all of your word. Help us to glorify you, Lord, now as those who have the position of being forgiven whose sins have been covered, whose transgressions and lawless deeds, God, you don't take into account anymore. Lord, help us now to live in ways that's pleasing in your sight, ways that are devoted to you. God, help us to get this good and happy news out to everywhere you would give us influence. Lord, help us to be quick to share in our homes as we play, as we work, as we travel, Lord, as we live. We pray, God, that we would worship. Lord, happy are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven. Happy are those whose sins have been covered. Happy is the man whose sin the Lord has not taken into account. Lord, help us to reflect that in our attitude, our demeanor, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, our walk. Lord, that we would not walk around downcast, negative, critical. But Lord, people would see Jesus shining uh, through us. Lord, we pray that you would apply your word exactly how it needs to be applied. Lord, for only you know us truly, fully. We don't even know ourselves. Lord, we certainly don't know each other. So we pray you would have your will and your way in your church today. I pray, God, those who are striving, Lord, those of us in Christ are prone to that. Lord, that they would find rest today. Lord, we've studied this passage through the lens that we are in Christ. I pray if there's one or more who's not in Christ, Lord, they would receive him today. They would trust in 
him today. They would, today would be the day of salvation. God, I pray your church that we would go forth filled with your power, exuding Jesus. And Lord, we would be the church. Thank you that your church, she's not in danger or threat, that you are building her. Thank you that we're part of that. We glorify and bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen.